Today we continue our series called Treasure. It's a series that focuses on our gratitude and generosity that we live through our faith. Treasure has us focused in the Sermon on the Mount. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is teaching the disciples and all of these crowds begin to gather. And and Jesus teaches about all of the practical ways that we are supposed to live. Jesus is putting the meat and bone meat on the bones, you could say, on the commandments, the greatest commandment to love God and to love others. You know, I love the Sermon on the Mount because of the practicality of it that I can look in the Sermon of the Mount and learn what I'm supposed to do when I'm angry, how I'm supposed to pray, what I'm supposed to do when I don't feel like doing what God has called me to do. The Sermon on the Mount also teaches us about living our faith out loud and about being so holy that we're no good to anyone else. So today we continue with the Sermon on the Mount with our theme, giving the treasure back to God. We started with the question about where is our treasure? Where do we invest ourselves, our time, our energy, and our resources when it comes to what God has given us? Yes, every single thing we have is a gift from God. And so it is up to us to be good stewards, good keepers of what God has given unto us. Last week, we studied the the problem of two masters. That that one was an ouch. Jesus said quite clearly that you cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and a political party. You cannot serve God and stuff. We must choose. We learned that that translation gives us a question to ask who or what owns us. Today, we're in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter six. We're reading verses one through six in the Common English Bible. Be careful that you don't practice your religion in front of people to draw their attention. If you do, you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Whenever you give to the poor, don't blow your trumpet as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may get praise from people. I assure you, that's the only reward they'll get. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that you may give to the poor in secret. Your father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. So when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners so that people will see them. I assure you, that's the only reward they'll get. But when you pray, 
go to your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is present in that secret place. For your Father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, here we are to worship. Here we are to bow down. Here we are to say that you are indeed our worthy and holy God. So fall fresh on us, O oh God. Let us hear a word from you during all that's going on in our world and in our nation and in our state and in our homes, O oh God. We need you to speak to our hearts. So come, O oh God, and speak. Hide this, your servant, behind that old rugged cross so that everything that is said and everything that is heard comes straight from you, O God. In Jesus Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Every now and then we have the opportunity as the people of God to be a part of something that is bigger than us. I've had this experience in my life a couple times. Most recently, I was invited to be a part of the Commission on a Way Forward for the United Methodist Church. It was a body that was set up to speak to and help guide our church um, in the ways of inclusiveness in ministry and membership. While the Commission on the Way Forward did not yield the results that I hoped they would, I didn't serve because I wanted my name in lights or because I wanted to stand on a stage at General Conference. I did it because I felt that God had called me to this ministry for such a time as this. And it would have been okay with me if my name was never printed anywhere during that season. God often gives us opportunities to be a part of something that is larger than we are. As a church, we have embarked upon this affordable housing project. It's bigger than us. It's bigger than our community. It is so big that without God, it is bound to fail. And we're not embarking upon this journey because we want our names and lights, because we want everybody to see how good Atlanta First United Methodist Church is. No, we're doing it because that is a way that we can, we can show God that we understand what it means to love our God and to love God's people. You see, Jesus teaches us to serve God in ways that, you know, are not showy, uh, as the scripture says. It says, be careful. Usually, we hear the words, be careful, when we anticipate danger. And here, Jesus says, be careful, and we might not understand the danger that is ahead. You know, 
having my name on the donor roll at my undergraduate institution and my high school and at Africa University or other places where I give the resources that God has given back. That's great, but it's not why I give. I give because I understand and we understand as the body of Christ that everything we have is a gift from God. Every dollar, every cent, every minute, every single speck of energy, every time we breathe, everything we have is a gift from God. We don't own anything but rather we are stewards. We are caretakers of what God has so generously given unto us. So when I give to Atlanta First United Methodist Church and when I look toward this affordable housing project, it's not because I want my name to go down in the annals of history at Atlanta First. No, it's because I know that is what God has called me to. And that that is a way that I can love God and love my neighbor. Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount and he's teaching the disciples and all of these crowds begin to form. He's standing on a hillside and saying, look, friends, we have the great commandment. We are to love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our joy, all our strength. And we are to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. We learn from Jesus that every other law, every other commandment it is based in and hinges off of these commands. That if it does not love God and if it does not love our neighbors, then we ought not be doing it. Be careful that you don't practice your religion in front of people to draw their attention. If you do, you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Be careful. Where is the danger there? The danger is that we might get caught up in the feeling of doing good. The danger is that we might practice our faith, that we might practice our worship, that we might practice our praise, that we might practice our giving in such a way that does not honor God. We may begin to worship because that's what we do. We just check it off the list and say, yay, I've been very good. Or we worship because we know we need the time in the presence of God. Jesus warns that when you're trying to do good, be sure that it's not a performance. That when we give to God, when we give our time, our talents, our gifts, our service and our witness, when we give to God, make sure it is not so that everybody else can see. 
And it's not so that we can say that we are a good person, but we do it because we know that is what honors God. Our actions might be a good show, but God won't be cheering. When you do things for someone else, don't call attention to it. Because the warning that Jesus gives us means that he cares about our hearts. You know why it's so easy to worship money or stuff or things? Do you know why, why it is so easy to do things that make us feel good, to say that I was a good person today? It's easy to do those things because we get great feedback for it. Everybody tells us how wonderful we are and everybody tells us what a great job we're doing. But Jesus says we should worship the Lord. We should care for the poor. We should pray. Not as a performance. but as a way to keep our hearts and our minds and our souls focused on God. You know, if we seek credit for everything that we do, if we have to have our names on a pew or a room or, or a light or a building, our hearts are in danger. But when we do it because we love God, because we worship and honor God, because we want to be the people that God has created us to be, when we do it in an humble and um, quiet fashion, the credit that human beings can give us doesn't hold the candle to the reward that God gives us in heaven. You know, I sometimes struggle with this scripture because of the reward part. It says, do this and God will give you a reward. Do this and God will give you a reward. And don't we do that with our children? I tell my godchildren all the time, Auntie Jazz pays for A's. <laughs> so if you get an A, you get a reward. And it's exciting. It's motivating. And they come with their report cards and they say, look, Auntie Jazz, I got this many A's. I hope they're not doing it simply for the reward. But to be rewarded feels good. I think that's why God, Jesus teaches us that there's a reward for us when we do what we're supposed to do for God. It's motivating. It's exciting. It helps get our attention that if we will do this thing, then we get this thing. It helps us to keep our perspective on the end product. 
And God's reward is greater than any reward than we could ever imagine. God's reward when we are faithful. God's reward when we pray. God's reward when we take care of our neighbors. God's reward when we refrain from disagreeing just for the sake of disagreeing. God's reward when we are when we practice joy. God's reward when we practice grace. God's reward when we practice mercy. God's reward when we practice love is literally out of this world. God's reward allows us to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. God's reward allows us to literally change and transform not just the world, but our little corner of the planet as well. So how do we do this? How, how is it that we don't get caught up in the pomp and circumstance of, of practicing our faith and getting a pat on the back when we give toward Keep Atlanta warm or friends at the front door? How is it that we um, stay focused on what it means to pray and not get into showy prayers like we've seen on social media the last couple weeks well first we are to spend time with God spending time with God in prayer in our secret place being still in the presence of God knowing that God is God all by God's self it helps us stay focused on the mission to love God love people and transform our world. Jesus links giving to the poor and spending time with God. If we truly want to be generous people, if we want to experience life more fully, we have to spend time in prayer. We must spend time one-on-one -on -one with God so that God can help to form us and shape us. We need secret places where God can speak to our hearts and show us the things that need to be adjusted in our lives. We need quiet so that God can help build our faith and strengthen our trust. We need to pray so that God can remind us who we are and whose we are. You know, Extravagant and sacrificial giving changes our hearts because it's impossible to be an extravagant and sacrificial giver without spending time with God. 
When we spend time with God, our automatic response is to be more giving toward people and toward uh, projects that God calls us to. We respond to time with God with extravagant and sacrificial giving. We move from, okay, is 10% my, is it my gross or my net pay? I mean, I just need to know so that I can get this thing right. <laughs> Tithing becomes less about net and gross pay and more about sharing what God has entrusted to us when we spend time with God. You know, it's going to take a lot of extravagant and sacrificial giving for this congregation to come back together. It's going to take a lot of sacrifice and extravagant love for our nation to be healed from the coronavirus. It's going to take a lot of extravagant and sacrificial love um, to reach our neighbors after we have sullied our witness as the people of God through just fighting and backbiting in the news and on social media. That can only be healed through time with God. And through learning how to give our treasure back to God. Not because we feel compelled. Not because we want that reward. But because we understand who God is. And who we are in God. And we understand that everything that we have is a gift from God. And that it is not ours to hold on to. I hope this week you'll look at this scripture and allow God to show you in which ways we are showy. And then that you'll go into that secret place and to a quiet place to spend time with God. And God might release us from the need to be showy. And restore us to extravagant generosity and love. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.